Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast, everyone. Due to recent circumstances, we are all stuck at home following social distancing laws due to COVID-19. Now, because of that, that gives us the opportunity to record at home. So we do apologize for the audio quality. It's not up to the usual Two Top standards, but we are doing the best we can. So please come and listen to this episode of Two Top and A. Maybe you'll just learn a thing or two. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Another episode in our quarantine editions, you know, due to the fact that we're all social distancing. We're out of the studio, but this also gives an opportunity to meet with friends online and call over Zoom and not worry about the basement quality of audio because, hey, everybody's everybody's in a rough place. So, you know, you're used to hearing Zoom audio, and today you'll be hearing Zoom audio from my good friend, Michael. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Michael. <laughs> so, me and Michael, we've been friends all through college, and, you know, we, do, we want to talk about something kind of along the same veins of we've always played games together we talk about video games and recently during quarantine well we've been playing a lot of games together michael (laughs) oh my god like we've been playing a lot of games uh specifically our personal favorite has been civilization six we've been playing that with the other boys uh that's been a blast a chaotic blast to say the least but it's honestly for me i don't want to speak for thomas but it's been kind of a nice form of escapism during this entire period especially now since well thomas is going for his masters i just graduated college sort of in that limbo period before my job starts and oddly enough video games have been a nice like external thing to my from myself to put my energy towards so yeah i'm going to talk a little bit about video game escapism well i i see that so i built a new computer recently i have steam open like most of the time and every once in a while i just see you come online and you're you're playing the witcher you're playing civ you know i see you're keeping yourself busy in all these games oh yeah for sure i've mostly been playing the witcher that's actually been something i started um when this entire period started so like with the witcher it's been a hard game for me to get into just because like when i first got it i was still like in college and i don't bring my computer to college with me so like i would play it for a little bit leave it at home and then when i come back for breaks i'm like crap i totally forget what happened so i restarted so i think i restarted that game maybe like four times until this time in quarantine it's like okay i need to play this game because everyone talks about how great it is and oh my god it's incredible i would say it's definitely in like my favorite games of all time i'm actually like coming towards the end of the second expansion and it's just been like this amazing like world to explore like get into the lore and the hours just clock by when i play that game and then of course civilization we've been playing that until the wee hours of the morning (laughs) yeah that is true well what's funny is even both those games especially the witcher talk about escapism those games have i mean well civ is our world but witcher has such a deep world that you you really do feel like you're you know, you are in something else. You are in a different world with different, like, cultures. And, you know, it's nice to not be, like, in the mindset of, well, I'm at home quarantining and when I'm outside, I'm in a mask. And I'm keeping social distance. I'm by myself at home. But when you're by yourself at home playing a video game that has, like, a really cool story, you know, you feel immersed in it like you're reading a book, which is funny because The Witcher is based off a book. Exactly. And, like, speaking of immersion, I think The Witcher itself is, like, one of the most immersive worlds I play in because 
you know how in like most rpgs like there's a lot of like filler garbage with the side quests like my one friend is playing like the new final fantasy and it's like there's this one side quest to like get a, a cat which it's basically like a fetch quest but what i like about the witcher 3 is every single quest whether it's like the main quest the side quests like treasure hunts they all play in and circle into the lore so like i've actually like been interested for the first time ever in a like rpg i've been interested in reading like the text documents because they all sort of play into the overarching like lore and story and it- it's so immersive well, I think so great is like I've haven't played Witcher. It's kind of one of those hurdles that I have yet to tackle. But I hear that some of the side quests in that game are almost games of themselves. Like I, the I would agree that to that. Deep. I would agree to that. Like, and and that's something that you could just like pass right by. Like you don't have to do a side quest. Oh, exactly. Like there are so many side quests in the game that I haven't even tackled yet. Like I see the quest marker, but it's like, it's such an easy game to like, you're going from point A to point B, you're going to stumble upon so many things in between. And you're like, wait, what was I doing? And it's like, you're, you're just trying to finish the game and you think it's point A to point B, but then you go point A to point C, D, E, F, G. And then you're like, Oh, right. I have to go to B. And then like, you know you don't you almost forget like what the game's about exactly i think there's a lot of there's been a lot of great games like that in in like at least my gaming history uh the one i always think of is skyrim oh my god i Um, love skyrim i could not tell you the linear quest like i could not tell you how beginning to end how to do the main story i know you you find out you're you got dragon stuff then you go to white run then you go to the mountain and then there's a big blurry section and then you fight the big bad dragon. <laughs> but in my mind, I see it as, oh, well, you go here, but there's a really cool town over there that has some cool people in it. And if you want to make like really cool armor, then you have to go to this town all the way over here. And then there's a thieves guild in this town that you're going to pass. Oh my God. And the it's Dark like, Brotherhood. I don't... <laughs> I, that's the quest line that I always think of when I play Skyrim. It's like, I a lot of times it's like i forget what the main quest is but i remember these worlds and like all these side segments there are the dragon hunter i always think of that i always when i because skyrim's also a game that you just start like five files that maybe you finish but (laughs) i remember there's this there's these almost samurai-esque dragon hunter figures yes the blades yes and i i would always like go to that part in the game but i could never like even think of it now i don't remember like why why you do that or like why you'd hear from it but it was just like something i stumbled across one time and i was like oh this this place is awesome yeah and i think in these days everybody is so about world building and i think there's two different ways to go about it you have the games like the witcher and skyrim which are in a sense non-linear yeah, I would say The Witcher is non-linear to an extent. I mean, like, you play, th- like, some of the missions, and I guess, like, certain, like, things that happen in the story, you can, like, for instance, there's this one point in the story, so, like, they have, like, I guess, like, throughout the game, there are, I see them in different, like, acts, kind of, and, like, there's a different storyline. So, for those of you who play The Witcher, um, you're probably familiar with the Bloody Baron part of the game. This is pretty early on into the experience. There's this one point in the game where... 
um, you're in this bog and basically you're working with this set of characters. And I didn't realize this until it already happened. I stumbled upon this other character that you will naturally meet as you play through this storyline. But because I stumbled upon this character sooner, I made a decision that impacted this entire storyline that I wasn't even aware of. So <laughs> there are those points like that where the game opens up, but I would the story still plays out linearly. It's not some it's not like Breath of the Wild where it's like right. do as you please. But it, it's interesting thinking about Skyrim and The Witcher because it's like I feel like there's a sense of I, I feel like there's this disconnect between the story and the gameplay. A lot of people talk about this where it's like there's like an urgency in the story like we need to do this now but then it like lets you loose into the world but i kind of love that and i feel like it's much easier to escape into a game when it sort of gives you those means like we were talking about this earlier in the witcher where it's like you're trying to go from point a to point b and you make all these stops along the way i feel like it's so much easier to escape and enjoy a game world when you do that in the game and skyrim's another great example i mean running into a random thief while you're walking you have some courier run up to you and then i really do think though you did mention it quickly but breath of the wild is like the perfect example of a game that's like hey you're you know what your end goal is and there's some stuff you can do along the way but you need to get to that castle and you need to defeat ganon exactly and i know it sounds kind of corny but i really like those games where it's like more about the journey than the destination and one game that I've been thinking of, and it, interestingly enough, during this period, it's gotten a lot of people I know who aren't into gaming into gaming, and that's been Animal Crossing New Horizons. I yeah. mean, if you think about it, like, there is, like, technically a campaign in the game, but there's really no end goal. It's ultimately, like, what you make of it. Like, there, I, I haven't really touched a game in, like, a couple days and i'm sort of at the point where i'm content with like my village but like my one friend she she wants to completely rearrange everything she wants the biggest house she can get she wants to make her entire island feel like an entire metropolis and i find that so interesting because people escape into that game in particular in their own different ways because that's the type of game that in a sense you're playing a character and you're really building a life for yourself exactly and that falls in the lines of also i would say games like minecraft as well which is another game that a lot of people have been picking up in during this quarantine i mean we've is, been playing that a bit yeah it's it's again it's making a world of your own exactly you you control the elements you build your house you farm your trees you, you know you play with your cows and your cats and you know, you don't have to worry about the world around you. Exactly. And I might have said this earlier, I think I did, but it's like, you know, in, in our normal day-to-day -day lives, doing something like that for hours at a time, it's pretty frowned upon and understandably so. I mean, we have other obligations when we're not in self-isolation and in quarantine, but right now it's just, it, it's been a nice way to just like forget about what's going on just for a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are really playing these games to escape. And a lot of people have also been, you know, watching people playing games. You know, streaming is such a big thing these days. Oh, absolutely. My little 14-year-old brother, he also, he streams on the PlayStation. It's just integrated in. That's what my brother's been doing on a PC as well. That's like, might as well, right? Oh, exactly. So, but 
you know, another thing that I, I mean, the reason I used Twitch for a while for streaming is I'd watch a lot of esports, and that's kind of what I wanted to go into next. Yeah, for sure. So, esports, I'm sure people have heard it in the news. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of been a thing recently. It's been a thing for a while, you know, starting all the way back to the Halo Halo days. There was Halo tournaments. There's Halo, and, uh, Smash Melee. Smash Melee. I mean, even uh, was it all the Mortal Kombat games have had some competitive scene. Oh, for sure. I mean, even go back to um, Donkey Kong. You know, you got our guy making high high scores. Oh, I forget his name, but you know him, uh, the man with the big beard. Oh, oh God, I forget his name. Who who then they um they they parried him parried him in regular show. <laughs> Yeah, I forget his name. I just think of the one guy who's like ridiculously good with Jigglypuff. Oh, Hungrybox. Yeah, 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 that guy. So, you know, esports has a big following now. And what's even wilder is it's kind of one of the only sports that's still being played right now due to the fact that, you know, you literally don't have to be in person to play it. Oh, definitely. It was interesting. The other day I was downstairs, like chilling in my living room, eating lunch, and I was scrolling through channels. And I get to ESPN, and there is a Madden tournament on. Which is, out of all the sports to have a tournament, and you kind of you are like, really? But hey. So what's interesting, though, is everybody's been talking about esports, and it's it looks like it's getting bigger and bigger. But, you know, people are really viewing this as a bubble. And, Michael, you graduated, temp, uh, you graduated school with a economics degree mm-hmm. yeah you know you know economics i didn't want to get it wrong <laughs> <laughs> um but let's you know when things get almost too larger than life uh you start to hit this moment that there's an esports bubble that i think is going to pop a lot sooner than later what do you mean by pop exactly I mean, like, people are going to lose interest or the market's going to be so oversaturated that the big things that would bring in a lot of money are going to not do it anymore. Well, I think, like, in terms of gaming, you kind of have to think about the market itself. And, like, I I know there's this one term they use in the industry called shelf life, where it's, like, a game has a certain amount of shelf life. For instance going back to my example playing the witcher that game has a very long shelf life because there's so much to do in the game you can make different choices that bring you down different paths so that game has a lot of product for someone to play whereas if you think about something i don't know like think of a call of duty game just for the campaign how many times realistically are you going to play that campaign until you move on to a different game and like half exactly (laughs) exactly and i think the same thing applies to like some of these multiplayer games so For instance, Halo, I I know they're still competitive Halo, but I know it hasn't, like, I'm I'm not sure how more or less mainstream it's been, but, like, I've been seeing much more games like Overwatch, Fortnite be competitive and then the mainstream. But, like, it's interesting because I feel like those games are eventually going to die out, and I feel like sort of the esports bubble isn't necessarily esports itself, but it's the games that make up that bubble, you know? Well, I think it's interesting because recently recently I've been thinking about it more because a new game has recently entered beta that I got a beta key for, and that's Valorant. Oh, yeah. Valorant's been very popular, and honestly, I think the way Riot has been 
distributing beta keys has been kind of genius in a way to get streaming numbers up because don't so, you need like to watch it aren't there things like with twitch stream to get the beta key yeah you have to watch a twitch stream with your linked account and you get it and sometimes it might take a day of watching this game or it takes a couple hours for me it was a couple hours but i know people who are watching it for days before they got it oh yeah my brother he was telling me for probably three days straight that he was watching valorant streams like in between his classes and like i think he got a beta key maybe like a couple days ago but it's and just yeah continue i was just gonna say but it's such a smart tactic that riot is using because obviously valorant's gonna be in the mainstream it's very popular everyone's talking about it and what's unique is to give a little backstory on valorant and its producer riot riot's last major game that it made is league of legends which if you're talking esports you're talking league of legends league of legends is almost you could argue when south korea says that esports is their national sports is because uh league of legends is played in stadiums of millions of people oh absolutely absolutely um and like the salary of these players is almost equivalent to some of the salaries of you know um like real i don't want to say real sports but like people who play more like physical physically demanding sports more like contact sports yeah and these these game these games i mean they're bringing in so many people i mean i mean i'm part of the i guess the process as well but the overwatch league which is blizzard's game overwatch um they have grand finals that are in stadiums i mean they don't sell out stadiums but i've gone the past two years and you know people going to these things it's like it's bringing in money and the thing is when people bring in money to an event like that you know they want to expand and make it bigger so they've been making it bigger but unlike i guess unlike sports that have more of a backbone like soccer and football you know people have been playing it for ages like their parents played it um video games new ones come out every couple years like overwatch 2 has already been kind of announced exactly isn't that i know that's more like co-op and story focused so if i'm not mistaken yes but it's kind of going to be a reskinning of the game as a whole but conceptually if you think about it it's like how much shelf going back to the idea of shelf life it's at one point we're going to loot like you're not going to be like oh i remember playing overwatch as a kid i'm going to go watch the i'm going to watch the pros play with my kids and it's i know it's like a weird like a kind of a weird way to think about it but video games change so much exactly and it's like if you think about a more like traditional sport like soccer the rules like i i mean certainly there's probably marginal changes i'm not too familiar with it but like with video games it's like part of the entertainment is like you have to not only cater to the the esports people the people who actually play this competitively but also the average consumer and obviously with average consumers with the amount of games that come out they need new content to be entertained with that product. But like in whenever that comes out, that affects things for the esports people. They have to completely learn new tactics. And for in some cases, um, I know with certain games, I can't think of a particular example off the top of my head, but it's like some characters or some weapons can be so overpowered that they completely ruin the competitive meta. Right. And there's another another aspect of 
all this where you know the player pool is a lot you think that everybody plays video games but the player pool is a lot smaller than some of these major sports um and there's also a lot of overlap i mean it's a rare a rare sight to see like a basketball player go play baseball professionally like go from one major league to a different major league but even right now talking about that game valorant um a lot of people are jumping ship from other games to see if this is going to be the next big thing and try to go professional in that exactly you start to lose your you start to lose your player your player base and your how how long can you have a competitive scene in a game if all the all the competitors switch games exactly and that's a interesting like transition point because I feel like a lot of games that are being announced and being developed, they're being developed with esports in mind. Like you can kind of see that from how they present games. Like I think a perfect example was like, I forgot how many E3s ago, but like it's the demo I always think of the Rainbow Six Siege demo. It's obvious what they were doing. They were trying to make something akin to like Counter-Strike, but with this sort of destructible environment. But that entire game was built to be competitive. Now, obviously, right. and I feel like a lot of developers are sort of putting that more in their games and with the philosophy of creating those experiences. I mean, obviously failed game, but look at like Lawbreakers. That entire <laughs> game was meant to be a competitive shooter, no matter, like, I know a lot of, I was watching some interviews and I know Cliff Blazinski was like saying like, oh no, it's not like meant to be competitive first. I Don't quote me on that. I think he said something like that, but it's very clear when you play that game, this was meant to be a competitive esports game in mind. Oh, well, a more re- I, I know I'm going to, I just picked up Valorant. I've been doing a lot of research on it because that is almost a modern example of that, but it's being backed by a company that already has a platform, League of Legends, that ra- r- brings in so much money. Oh, exactly. Of, valorant is doing like the way they phrase it it's it's not called planting a bomb it's a spike just the way that's all set up plays it out like the way the ui looks the way the characters look the way just the way things show up on screen stream makes it look like it's meant to be played on a stage oh definitely and what's also what's also wild is Riot, similar to how Lawbreakers treat it, they, even though they have huge competitive scenes already for their other games, they say that they want this game to naturally grow a competitive scene of people starting individual tournaments on their own, which is in one way kind of a weird business. It's a really smart and weird business tactic because they know they have the fun, they have the money to like run competitions, but they know that so many people will try to like make this game competitive that they don't need to put any, they don't have to risk any of their money because they know that people are going to play this game and they're going to see it as a competitive element. So they're not going to risk the capital to see, Oh, is this going to go somewhere? Exactly. And it's interesting that you say that because like a lot of games, like especially at like E3 and like other games conferences, like before they even come out, they have like community tournaments and stuff like that. Like, they're already putting money into it where Riot's being very smart, where it's just letting the player base loose. And again, going back to what I was saying, you can really see how intentional they are in the design with everything for this to be a competitive game. And I think it's like, for me, when I first saw this game, I'm like, wow, this kind of looks like crap. Like it's, it's not like an objectively good looking game, but 
I was, it, it hit me. It's like, oh, that's the entire point of the game. You want it to be able to be played on as many computers as possible. Exactly. You want it to be as simplistic as possible because when you play like a competitive shooter, like I noticed this when I play in Counter-Strike, I actually play with like lower settings than like the highest settings because it's easier to like make out people with like crappier looking backgrounds because you see the more like detailed character models. And you know what? Now, on a complete, well, first the first thing I'll say is I think there's a whole level of computer that's just like the game that the computer that can play competitive games. You have the AAA games, and then you have oh, it can play League, and it can play Dota, it can play Counter Strike. Exactly. Um, but you know, total tangent, total tangent that like could be a discussion for another time. But I kind of want to close it out with this: is the money of cosmetics in this game i my jaw dropped oh. when i did the conversion of the in because of course they don't use real cash they use in-game currency because then it doesn't look as expensive and you don't really know the value the price of what you're buying but i did some math and in this game that's in a beta that's not open to the public you have to get a key to get it um there was a skin for a gun that was like 30 bucks it's crazy. And honestly, so going into my senior year, I didn't end up going through this just because I didn't have time, but I was going to do an entire research paper on like microtransactions and sort of like how in an economic sense, how cur so basically this sort of fake currency that they use a lot in games, how it can sort of manipulate you into thinking that you're spending less. And that's a perfect point. I mean, like, I feel like every single AAA game you can't directly buy what you want. You have to buy some fake currency. And whenever you buy that currency, it's like it never exactly equals what you want to buy. You either get a little less than what you needed or a little more than what you needed. It's such a under-the-cuff tactic that from like a business standpoint, oh, that's so smart. But from like a consumer standpoint, wow, you guys are manipulating people like crazy. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, that could be a podcast on its own. So maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk about microtransactions because... I would love to do that, but yeah, definitely. Looking at some of it is ridiculous because a lot of these games are also free to play and their money comes from those microtransactions. Exactly. And I mean, look at the juggernaut that is Fortnite. I mean, the amount of cosmetics in that game... I mean, like, I would actually argue Fortnite's a bit more reasonable than a lot of other free-to-play games. And there's, like, the new trend that's coming in Battle Passes which I'm actually all for. I've I I played like Fortnite, more Fortnite mainly, and I think it's battle pass is pretty reasonable because a lot of the times you can actually earn the money to buy the next battle pass purely through getting the money in the battle pass. Which well, I guess is decided. I guess we're gonna have to talk about battle passes and microtransactions next time, Michael. For sure. <laughs> all right, though, but I think that's where we're gonna and today we're running low on time but michael thank you so much for guesting on two top this week yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me thomas yeah absolutely and you know what for everybody listening i uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you guys next time for another two topics the two top podcast this week was created by thomas lance and edited by thomas lance the music from this episode comes from leah rosever and his music for podcasting 
If you'd like to support the show, please follow us on Patreon. You can find us at Two Top Podcast. Any donation helps, and we even have a couple cool perks going along with it. You can find us on social media on Instagram and Twitter, and we even have a website, twotoppodcast.com. For any general inquiries, you can send us an email over to twotoppodcast at gmail.com. And this was Two Top. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you guys next week for another Two Topics.